Hello and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name is Matt. And I'm Matt too. Today is report day. It's like a report card, Matt. Oh, I have mixed feelings about report cards. Well, let's just talk about half of it then. Reports. Reports. Yeah, the, uh, so in the last session, in the first part of the 129th, if you remember correctly, the DOE, I'm not sorry, not the DOE, the committee created a whole bunch of resolves and then task forces. And those task forces had to report back to the Education Cultural Affairs Committee. Well, those reports have been submitted and the committee will be hearing a bunch of these reports over the next couple of weeks. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna run through them for you. Yeah, we, this is a little different than bills because this really, sometimes they go somewhere, sometimes they don't. It's mainly recommendations for each one that the committee wanted more information on. Right. So some of these are pretty in depth and have lots of great stuff. And some of them uh, are literally, yeah, we're still meeting, uh, we'll get back to you. Right. So it's kind of cool. So why don't we start, why don't we start with one of them? Uh, this was based on LD 1168. It, this is the DOE report on response to childhood trauma uh, that got uh, announced to them on December 4th of 2019. So we're a little behind, but the committee has heard this report already. Is my understanding. Right. Okay, that's correct. So do you want to talk about the recommendations for this one? Sure. So basically this one talked about, you know, how might we support schools and improving their trauma-informed practices. Um, and there's a number of recommendations that they made, including things like creating a glossary of terms, providing professional development and training um, that the department continues to support and push and promote uh, multi-tiered systems or RTI systems, response to intervention. Um, the schools have to have a designated mental health support staff in an appropriate number, and they need to use the national standards for that. Um, the department recognizes preventative resources of social emotional learning and reducing the impacts of trauma. And that goes through a bunch of other things. And then it says uh, two things that I really wanted to point out. One, that considerations be given to changes in the salary matrices in the essential programs and services formula to support mental health professionals within the SAUs to address mental health needs. Mm -hmm. I, thought that was, I thought that was very interesting to look at the different ways in which the EPS formula is being used to support that. And yep. then another one, uh, beginning in January 2020, the department will be providing trainings to district teams in assisting, in assisting existing trauma-informed assets and developing needed support strategies for appropriate intervention. So they're going to be actually reaching out or districts can start reaching out to the department to say, hey, we're trying to improve our, our social emotional learning and our trauma-informed practices. Help, please. So one of those meetings actually is happening later this month in January, and it was, from what I saw, uh, set up for 90 teams of three or four people to go to, and it is full, and they're setting up another one in March already for the people who were unable to show up in January. So this, this seems to be a, a thing in Maine. It's, I, I'm glad that they're taking a very proactive look at it, finally. I think one of the things that you mentioned really makes me happy is that they are looking at uh, the, the salary matrix in EPS to support this. So it's not right. just, okay, we have all this stuff to do, but we know that schools have a tough time getting social workers and psychologists and any type of support for these uh, trauma-informed schools and social-emotional learning. So I'm glad they're, they're actually backing it up with looking at, okay, so how are we gonna pay for this 
if we all think it's so important. Yeah. And putting it into the formula and making sure that uh, if we say it's important, we fund it. I think that's a good idea. I do too. Let's go to the next one. Uh, It's based on LD1382. It's the DOE report on computer science instruction and professional development. Never heard of it. Okay, let's move right on to the more important one. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, how dare you? My notes (laughs) literally say right here, Matt, to all our listeners, my notes right here say, Matt talks a lot here. (laughs) So, and for that, Everyone else is now thinking about your notes and saying, oh, gee, thanks, Matt. Now we got to listen to this Yahoo go on. So uh, if you remember back, um, there's been a lot of discussion about where computer science is going to go in this particular state. Um, There's been a lot of professional training. There's been a lot of work. There's been task forces that have been developed. And so what this, what I like about this report is that it kind of tries to thread a needle. What it tries to do is it tries to say, here's the importance of computer science and everyone should be doing something about computer science in their districts. And here's some, a number of different recommendations and a number of different, different ways in which the department and the legislature can support. But what we're not gonna do is we're not gonna make it a mandate. That's been a, a re- recurring theme in this administration so far as we're, we don't wanna add additional funded, unfunded mandates. We're not gonna add new standards. What this bill is really trying to do is to say, everyone pick up computer science. Uh, There needs to, the department's vision for computer science is that all Maine students have access to high quality computer and science instruction, prepare them for success in college, careers, civic life. It makes the argument that in a lot of ways, we've said in the past on this pod, um, all of the emerging careers coming out by 2026, according to Maine Department of Labor data are 75 to 80% are either STEM or computer science related. Every position, every job is gonna have some level of computer science or computational thinking in it. So this is important. So we wanna establish public awareness for it, um, coordinate computer science efforts to connect people and organizations, uh, count high school level computer science courses towards a local graduation requirement. That's one of the things that are working towards building in, not saying that there's a, they have to do it, but how might districts go about doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, so is it going to be connected to certain content areas over others, or is it a completely local decision to figure out how to do that? Um, I liked one of recommendation number four in particular as well, which was to provide professional learning to pre-K to eight teachers so that it's in computer science instruction, so that it's not just about a high school level, right. but it's really about starting that whole child, whole uh, trajectory throughout ensure that we that educators have clear and consistent district-wide guidance on desired learning income out incomes i wish we had desired learning incomes that would be fantastic that would be kind of cool but desired learning outcomes and encourage each district to develop an implementation plan to ensure that all students have access to high quality computer science instruction and then the final one is invite districts to share progress so again it's not a comprehensive, these are going to be the standards, like the main, we're recommending adoption of the CSTA standards. And these are some a curriculum that we are recommending that they're using or anything like that, or that it's going to be a new part of the main learning results, or it's not anything like that. But what it really is saying is that, hey, pay attention. So I see this to paraphrase uh, Denzel Washington in that movie Training Day, this is chess, not checkers. So a lot of small incremental movements 
that's what I see this as, is a very small but important incremental movement. Like, hey, we're taking out our queen here. This is a big move to get this thing started. I don't know anything about chess. I saw the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer. That's about my experience. But I'm just, I'm just thinking the ending of Training Day didn't go so well for anybody in that, uh, in that movie. Or really throughout, to be honest. Pretty much throughout the whole thing was, was kind of <laughs> terrible. But there's, the, hey, you know, King Kong has nothing on me. Got some great lines in that movie, that's for sure. Oh, fantastic. Tr- troubling so that, movie, but whatever. Yeah. This is not our movie review podcast. You'll have to go to uh, uh, Main Movies Matter with Matt and Matt uh, podcast to find that one. I, I still think we, we could do a sub pod within this. We could just, you know, create a new theme song right in the middle of this particular pod and do a movie, then come back. That would totally so, make our listeners happy. If, if you haven't seen Training Day, I, I, it, it's, it is a recommended viewing from this, Matt. Yeah, also here. Uh, don't but watch not with kids. With, don't watch it with kids. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, does that kind of wrap up the computer science or do you have anything else to say about that one? Uh, I have a lot to say about this. I'm, I'm very passionate about this topic uh, at a personal and professional level, but I don't want to take up all the, all the pot. Okay, well, well, let's get to it. But I do but, think that it does, does a good job of threading the needle and starting the process in a really, in a really smart and purposeful way. Well, let's go to the more important one here. Uh, this was based on LD387. It's the DOE oh. report on cursive handwriting instruction. Talk, what a transition. That was pretty computer good. Science right? into, computer science right into cursive. So what they asked for, this was not, from what I remember, a task force or anything. They right. just asked for more information uh, and sent it over to the ELA Standards Review Committee, which was happening at the time uh, of this hearing last year. And yeah, we talked about this bill a little bit. We did. Didn't we? Uh, just a little. <laughs> I think it may have won uh, an award, as a matter of fact. I believe, I believe you are correct. Uh, so what they did, uh, the ELA <laughs> Steering Committee actually took this as guidance, and they put it into the preambles of the re- reading and writing standards, which I, I really enjoy saying preamble. Uh, but they didn't think it was important enough to be an actual performance indicator. So it's not something you have to do because uh, the performance indicators are, you know, indicators that, that's, that schools should be looking at is like, is right. this might be important, but they're saying you, people still have to be able to read cursive writing. And sure. I, I don't think cursive writing is like, needs to be required, but some people are going to learn it. And I have no, no issues with that one. It's, oh, it's, not never, it's never an either or. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of these, these things turn into. Yeah. Uh, do we teach cursive or don't even talk about cursive? Uh, do we have homework <laughs> yeah. or don't have homework at all? And it's like we, there's we always a middle sw- ground. We do these swings. We, uh, we talk these, these pendulum swings, these, these binary decisions, like all or nothing, or we're going to go, you know, we're going to go completely in the way of academic achievement and not think at all about the social emotional learning of our kids. Right. Then we're going to go the complete opposite way. Just think about social emotional learning and not think about the academic achievement. No, the answer is always in the middle. Yep. It's always in that balance. One of the things that I found I, I loved about the, the first part of this bill in the context was that the ELA steering committee considered the letter and the recommendation of the required cursive. I, I thought that was like, a, okay, thanks, Boomer. <laughs> wow. You know, I just, nice. it was like, yeah, we considered it and okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, so this doesn't come up again. We'll put it in the preamble. Yep. We'll, we'll say, you know, we expanded the definition of text, 
the definition of print for the for the reading is include the ability to read various texts such as print, cursive, and common digital fonts. Helvetica, I'm talking to you. Comic Sans, hang on. <laughs> you Slow down. All right. We have spent more time on cursive in this podcast than almost anything else outside of immunizations. But how so, often do we get to talk about preambles? Exactly. So it's totally worth it. Right. Uh, let's go to another report. This was based on LD1343. It's a DOE yeah. report on health education and physical education in schools. I kind of love the recommendations, though. Uh, here's what my notes say. Uh, professional development about importance of physical activity should continue. Also, yeah. work with other partners to promote physical activity in schools like we do now. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, basically, keep on keeping on. Yeah, well, so, it, like the, so yeah, the, in 2019, the Maine Obesity Advisory Council developed six goals. And one of those goals, to, the goals were to reduce obesity and the medical conditions associated with obesity. I'm reading directly from the report. And one of these goals is to increase physical education and physical activity in all public schools. Great. So what did they do? They identified a bunch of sources and resources and people and districts to connect to and then said, all right, go connect and go do it. Just, just keep doing what you're kind of doing. And here is some, if you're, if you're not sure what to do, here's some stuff for you. Totally works. It's a nice little report. I'm, it is. I'm curious how this will, how these, how these sources or these findings, these recommendations will increase physical education and physical activity. I'm curious to see how they quantify and measure that. But time for another time for another pod. We can talk about that one. Let's go to our next yes. one. L, it was based on LD 1549. I do remember this one coming up. It's a DOE report on national board certification supplemental increase. So, so for those districts that were at 50% or more free reduced lunch, they were looking at the, the teachers who have uh, MBCT certification to get a bump from the $3,000 to $5,000. And so this report was on the financial impact across the state of what that would be. Yep. From what I remember from that hearing, which I attended the work session, I believe, uh, and they're like, well, how much is, is this going to cost across the state? And everyone right. was like, uh, a bunch more they're like yeah, we don't know yeah go find some go find some so yes so how many teachers how many mbct certified teachers are in 50 percent or reduced more or more rate districts and the response was oh mm. so uh, since we're the financial experts here i'm gonna like read my summary of this one and you tell okay. me if it's uh <laughs> if it's right with our oh you're looking for me to fact check you <laughs> oh this will be fun so it says, if I'm, if I'm reading that right, the budget is currently about $642,000 for this summer. I'm with you. Yep, that's and how I read it. the combined cost for the 2021 school year, so next school year, would be just over a million dollars, about a $350,000 increase. Oh, okay. Well, kind of. That's not exactly how I'm reading it. Okay. So how I'm reading is that, like it says, uh, during the fiscal year 1920, the, the combined cost for those NBCT teachers who were both in below 50% free reduced lunch districts and above was the actual cost was $953,000. Yep. But they budgeted $642,000. So there's actually a deficit. Yep. That totally makes from sense. What, from what we budgeted to what there actually is. So... In order to just do what there currently is, there needs to be an additional $300,000 just to meet the need of okay. what's currently there. 
then I think if they were to bump it up for those teachers, it would be an additional 175,000. Okay. So there's an additional like, was it $400,000, $500,000? Uh, no, not that much. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't do my math. Wait, you, you're the math guy. We're the, I'm the, I'm, it's a, yeah, it's about another 485,000. So you're about right. Another half mil yeah. is what this is going to cost since they right. didn't budget for the supplement that's actually in law, which is right. great budgeting. Mm. All right. So clearly- That's um, how I'm reading it. Maybe we need to form a task force to help us read the report. <laughs> and well, and, and the, the, the good thing about this report too, it is, it, it is, it is less than a page. It, it is pretty it's, quick. It's really it's short. short. And sweet. Yeah. It's short and sweet. It says, this is what we got. This is what we budget. We need more money. Well, that's, that's pretty much all I see. And I, so it says as three, different num as three different numbers as the uh, fiscal year 21 salary supplemental cost of nine, $950,000 and a fiscal year 21 scholarship amount of $75,000 and then a fiscal year estimated total cost of $1 million more or less. And I'm rounding. Um, I don't know if that, if so, if all of those things combined are the actual going to be the cost or is it, is it, something else or is yeah, I'm it not, that i'm not sure what the scholarship amount means yeah so it sounds like the total cost actually now we're looking at it again is going to be one one million dollars one million dollars right but it's an increase of four hundred thousand dollars from last year that will be a good time let's just go to the next one that's going to be on appropriations for a while <laughs> This one was based on LD858. It's a DOE report on schools as polling places. I remember uh, this one. As we talked about last time, uh, 2020, what, is there some elections going on or something? Not paying attention. I have no idea. Okay. So the recommendations for this one, if you're- Maybe a is big a, brother or survivor? Oh, that is definitely it. I the think bachelor? They're, they're both on the same night, I think. So I- oh. So if a school is a polling place- Is this place, the voice? You are supposed to consider the following. This is the voice right here. Ah. So if your school is a pol polling place, consider the following. You can relocate to another location. Hmm. You can close the school on voting day or have a PD day. I really like the, the idea of closing school and making it a national holiday, but that's, that's just me. You should isolate- It's not just you. You should isolate the voting activity away from the students. Also makes sense. You want to keep the kids safe. And it requires a safety plan to address the activity and assure the safety of students, including uh, traffic considerations, political solicitors be contained. You nasty political solicitors. Uh, wandering, voters, wandering voters. Wandering voters. <laughs> and emergencies that are unrelated. Nomad voters. Vagabond voters. It's a good idea if, if you are having voting in your schools, which I know a lot, a lot, a lot of communities do, uh, just make sure you have a plan and the OSSS, the Office of Student Support Services, question yeah, mark, so. uh, will be able to assist local communities in developing this plan if you don't have one already. But Yeah, they that, said that 50, there are 50 buildings across the state that actually do this. That's all? That's all. I would have said three to four times that amount, so honestly. Uh, right at the findings, 50 school buildings and main communities are used as election sites. 
both larger and urban schools are used for voting as well as smaller and remote schools? I think in the district that I used to work in, they had th all three towns were actually polling places in a school. But then it says there are more than 500 sites used for polling, according to the Maine Secretary of State. Many communities utilize school buildings as the polling location because there's not an available municipal building within the community able to accommodate the anticipated voter turnout. So is it 50 school buildings or is it 500 sites? I don't understand. Well, it can be both. 50 buildings out of the 500 are schools. Then you have 450 okay. other places like, you know, the local pet store. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Who no, doesn't want to see uh, a nice dog when you're voting? You'd be happy. I, it's the parakeets are distracting because they're going to, they're especially if you talk out loud to yourself while you're doing your voting, like the parakeets are the parrots. They're just going to repeat it. They're going to tell everyone what you, who you voted for. And that's un-American. We Agreed. hold on. We don't tell anyone who we vote for. Let's go to the next one, which is super American. It's a, uh, based on LD711, it's a DOE report on concussions and youth football. Oh, yep, there sure so, is. Unfortunately, this is one of the ones that they kicked the can down the road. Uh, they said limited research around the correlation of starting age of football and CTE impact. So the group will continue to meet for the next six to seven months while they gather some mm. more information. Mm. There's, there's limited research available for CTE impact and... I get, I get, I get what they're saying of starting age starting of football age, and yep. CTE, and they're doing both. How they're, they're so they're, they're looking for the limited research on both. I, I, I get that. I think they're looking around the, the correlation of the two. So, I know a lot of uh, like uh, soccer, the real football, has <laughs> some rules where you can't head the ball until you're like 12 years old or something like that, in in organized youth soccer trying to limit the, you know, your head banging around, basically. Sure. Yeah, you know, especially when you're younger. So I remember when this one came up and everyone was like, I don't really know what to do with this one yet. What's the right age? Let's go find out. And they are still trying to find out. Yeah, this, I mean, this is going to have some significant community impact, that's for sure. I would but think so. I, I, I'm glad that they're continuing to work. I'm glad that they're continuing to, to do it. Uh, the meetings are going to will be held monthly until July first, twenty twenty. So they have about another six months to find some research and make their recommendations. So let's go to the next one. It's uh, based on LD one thirty seven. It's a DOE report on the future of MLTI. MLTI does have a future. That's nice. And it's so, and it's so bright. I got to wear shades. Nice. Very nice. So what's happening with MLTI? For those of you who are not sure. Um, is that the, and I'm going to read from the report, uh, the final contracts for the existing MLTI program are set to expire on June 30th, 2020. So everyone's kind of wondering, well, what happens? Mm -hmm. What happens next? So the, de the, quote, the department has designed a bridge year for the 2020-2021 year to provide support for devices, infrastructure, and professional learning while we continue to work with stakeholders to design, to design what is the next phase of the MLTI program. So here's what the report is going to and what the what's going to be happening. Okay. The department will purchase all of the MLT devices at the end of the lease. Okay. The department will transfer ownership to the SAUs in cohort 4 when the lease began in 2016 for 7th and 8th grade and staff devices starting in July of 2020. Then it goes on about Jamf licenses. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are really down with Jamf 
Mm-hmm. Who um, isn't? And the systems engineering say. side. But I, I will say, we'll, we'll the 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 full details of this report are are on the on the what's it? I'm trying to say on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that series of tubes that's out there to provide us information. SEUs who are currently leasing additional devices from the department will have the option to buy out their devices from the department at the 2015 rates. There will be no new grants will be awarded during the 2021 academic year, and the department will provide statewide and regional professional learning uh, for for this. I there is an advisory board that is happening with the MLTI. There's a number of different. Uh, educators and stakeholders from across the state who are participating in this and uh, the one one of the things that there's there pretty much everything is on the table to, to redesign MLTI to make it MLTI 2.0 uh, to update the guiding principles to update the language and the thing and to make sure that it's a, it works for all Mainers and all students and schools and there's pretty much everything is on the table I mean anything can be done we can ask for things legislatively, et cetera. But the one thing they said that's not on the table is to put the MLTI funding into and through the EPS formula. It will remain separate. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good summary. I think there's some questions about uh, the purchasing part uh, that I was a little confused on. But again, read the report, talk to people at the state. Yeah, get your tech directors on board with this. Make yep. sure they're, they're, they're following... Uh, if they could follow this stuff online um, and, and whatever's happening there, because this is, this is going to be a big, there's a lot of work happening on this over yep. the next six months or so in particular to, to make sure we get contracts out and make sure that things like that happen. So, so let's go to the next one. Uh, it was based on LD 1538 about compensation equity at colleges. I remember talking about this one last session. Uh, that right. people in the uh, northern and down east portions of the state uh, for the colleges and universities were paid less than uh, the people in the southern part of the state. So we have two reports about this particular L- LD. Now, from- cursive, cursive gets like ha- a page, like a page. I know. NBCTs get like less than a page. This gets two full reports, and one of them is kind of heavy. I'm going to give you my summary for them because it Please goes on. So. There's lots of graphs, lots of charts. Uh, there's one from the Maine Community College System and one from the University of Maine System. Uh, here is my summary for both. The community colleges said, we're in collective bargaining, bargaining right now. Every effort is being made to get a satisfactory result. Sounds good. The University of Maine one says, we got lots of work to do. We're trying hard. Oh, yeah, we don't have any money, so it may not work out unless you give us more. <laughs> that's that's the sympathetic Matt right there coming. Well, because that one was like eighteen pages of charts showing the pay inequity, and then the last part was basically a slam at the state saying, "You fund us better, and we'll be okay." Yeah, throwing up their hands and saying, hey, "What can we do?" Yeah, it's your fault, not us. What we can do about it? Nothing we can do. We just uh, it ain't me, it's you. So I think it's it the opposite of what you'd say at a breakup. I think not you. It's me. No, no, it's not me. It's you. <laughs> I think I think that continued into the report of the next one, which is LD twelve eighty three, uh, which was a task force report on college funding options, because it's just as passive aggressive as the last few reports. Yeah. Uh, these do four different things that I've got here. Uh, it implements a common data-driven capital asset assessment 
and investment prioritization process. I don't see too many consultants. You had what? Consultants worked on that sentence clearly. Uh, it appropriates $10 million annually in debt service to target deferred maintenance. They are to continue seeking regular bonds, but with, with greater coordination amongst each other. All, that's all a good idea. Coordination the, is fun. The last part was my favorite. Uh, they will not levy student fees or raise tuition specifically to fund deferred maintenance unless the state refuses to help them. We're going to do it anyway. <laughs> yep. Wow. Huh? <laughs> totally passive aggressive reports uh, from their <laughs> higher education. A little, little, little bit. Yep. A like, little bit. Yeah. A little, little bit there. So I'm going to skip one and come right back to it because we only have two left here. Uh, since we're talking about college, we'll skip to the one on LD155, which is the Maine Community College System report on transparency in college costs. And they say they are striving for best practices. They say they're pretty open about what they're doing already. And their big thing is they're looking at having one standard financial award document amongst all the community colleges. Because right now they have all individual ones that right. they're doing their best on, but it would be nice if they were all looked the same uh, since a lot, of, a lot of people are applying to multiples. So if you're trying to interpret eight different financial awards, um, it'd be nice if they all kind of look the same. So they're, they're trying their best on that one. And I, I don't have anything snarky to say on this one. No, me neither. Okay. Uh, the last one was about LD 576. It's a DOE report about online learning platforms for students and educators. And they have yeah. recommendations for one for, for students and another one for educators, uh, which I think are, are really cool. Right. They want to make uh, review of need. They want to review needs of main districts that be beneficial to ascertain what's already in place for students, um, because some districts are using things like Google Classroom or uh, iTunes University or Apple Classroom, or they're going to using Khan Academy or using a bunch of different resources for online classroom mm -hmm. uh, resources. Um, so they so they want to make sure that they don't. I, I remember reading in here that. Not really sure about if the if the state needs to create something for students, but because there might be something already out there that districts are already using, and we can support what they're using, but there is a need for educators. But as I was reading the recommendations, my two bullets here are they need to have a review of the needs again, and yep. further discussion yep. to determine the purpose of this platform for educators. Right. So at the beginning, they said, "Yeah, we def we need it for educators. This is great." Right. We don't know what we that don't know is. why <laughs> we don't know why, <laughs> but we need it. <laughs> it's, it was just like, I don't think the same person worked on this report. It's kind of like that, uh, again, friends reference when Joey Tribbiani had all the money and he had bought this big white statue porcelain dog. And it was, at, it was at the, it was at the, it was at the checkout line. It was an impulse buy. Just had to have it. Don't know why. Gotta have it. <laughs> I think that wraps. I'm gonna try every every episode as much as I can to, to weave in a friend's reference. Okay. Oh, that's a good. That's a good challenge. For you listeners out there, for you listeners out there, just please don't hold me accountable because I will probably forget. <laughs> <laughs> please tweet at us uh, with your favorite friends jokes. Yeah, uh, and if you and if and if we had an opportunity to weave one in, let us know. Well, since we're done with the reports, Matt, why don't you tell people where they can tweet at us with all their awesome friends Joey Tribbiani references? 
Sure. Well, the best place to tweet at us would be on Twitter. And that our, that you, seems okay, but you never know. You, you never know. So if, if you're on the, the Twitter sphere and you do the Twitteries things, at uh, Main Ed Matters is our handle there. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Main Education Matters. If you don't want to remember all of that, just remember our website, maineducationmatters.weebly.com. That, that's where you'll find links to uh, our podcast, either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You'll find links to our social media. You'll see some bios, a little bit about Matt and uh, what's my name? Oh, yeah, Matt. And if you want to be on the pod, you got something you want to share, there's a, there's a place you can fill out a form. And uh, if you see us in the wild, have us get a selfie. Be part of the Faithful 17 that's up there. That's where you can find us. We'll be back next oh, week. Before, sorry, before I forget, another thing, we are updating a 2020 uh, spreadsheet of mm -hmm. bills. Uh, so if you want to know the status, just want to take a quick look at the status, where they are, either when we've recorded it or what's happening with them, there's a link right there for the, tw the new 2020 spreadsheet. So and as of right now, in mid-January, we are putting those previews out on Monday mornings. Uh, as we record this, we, we're going to have the first public hearings of the session on bills uh, later this afternoon. So at some point, we'll be back to review the testimonies for those. Uh, we have not figured out a schedule for those. But, but right now, we're doing our previews on Monday mornings. So look for those in your feed. Look for those. And with that, thank you very much for downloading, listening, and subscribing. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.